0: Well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Great to see you today. Welcome. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It's great to have you join us in worship this morning. Thank you for being friendly with your neighbors. It was great visiting with some of you this morning about all the cool things that are going on as the seasons are changing and all the festivals are happening. And last but not least, the Buckeyes are undefeated. Huh? How about that? Bad news is, so are the Wolverines, so uh, if there's any Michigan fans in here, we'll pray for your souls, but uh, nonetheless, welcome to church, and if this is one of your first times joining us, uh, we're so grateful that you've decided to do so. If you'd like to learn more about who we are, you can certainly do that. Uh, You can take a communication card that can be found on the seat back in front of you, and if you would be so kind to fill that out and meet me afterwards in the Welcome Center, uh, we would have a uh, free gift for you. For those of you joining us online, uh, you can go to our website if you're relatively new to Victory Life Church, and if you'd like to connect with us, you can go to the banner that says, Are You New Here? Click on that banner and complete the form, and I will connect with you sometime this week. But indeed, thank you again for joining us in worship this morning. I do have a few announcements and reminders. As you uh, likely know, we kicked off our vision for this year that is entitled, Shine Your Light. And it's based on these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 where he said, you, referring to you and also to me, he said, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can I get an amen for that one? That is what you and I are supposed to be, the goodness of God and what he has done in us is supposed to shine through us to others so that they can understand and know how good God is because he has indeed been good to us. And so if this is your first time hearing about our Shine Your Light vision for this year, you might not have received some of our goodies that are associated with the Shine Your Light ministry initiatives. We have some Matthew journals that are going along with the uh, teaching and preaching that Pastor Matt is doing on Sunday mornings. We also have some really cool key tags that have on the back side of them uh, QR codes. You can take a picture of that QR code with your smartphone. It takes you straight to our website. And we are giving weekly updates on all things. There's lots of things going on with the Shine Your Light vision this year. And you can keep updated weekly. So uh, uh, take a picture of that QR code this week. There are some updates on there. You'll want to make sure that you will watch that video and uh, stay stay tuned with uh, all things that are going on around this Shine Your Light ministry initiative. Also, speaking of keeping your light shining brightly, we have some life groups that are starting up this week and starting up the next few weeks. You likely received one of these handouts when you came in. Can you hold it up just to confirm that you received it? Very cool. Thank you so much. If you are not signed up for a life group, might I encourage you to fill out this form And just hand it to our our ushers, or you can come to the Welcome Center afterwards and hand it to me, and we will get you signed up for one of our life groups. We have lots of them, as you can see. There's front and back uh, offerings here. So just sign up. You can do this uh, 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 with this form right here. You can sign up online by going to the banner that you see there on the screen. Click on the banner and sign up, and we would love to have you with one of our life groups that's coming up here in the next few weeks. Also, just one more reminder, we mentioned this last week, uh, we are hosting a an event entitled uh, the Celebrate Life Memo- Memorial Service that's actually going to happen two weeks from yesterday. Uh, the purpose of this event is to celebrate the lives of loved ones who have passed over these last few years. Going through this pandemic, uh, many funeral directors and friends and pastors have told us that Folks have decided not to do funerals over these last last few years because of COVID, and uh, we want to just celebrate uh, the lives of loved ones who didn't get to have a memorial service. So that's what we're doing in two weeks. And so, if you know of someone uh, who has a loved one that passed, uh, please encourage them to sign up for this service. This is just our way of sharing the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God with the community and the world around us. And so, we're really excited about it. There's going to be a time of worship. There's going to be a brief message by Pastor Matt. And also we're going to be featuring the Western Reserve Community Band with their director, Ralph Meyer. It's going to be a great day. And we are really excited to honor these families in our community who, has, who have lost loved ones over these last few years. So they can sign up online, as I said, by clicking on the banner that you see there on the screen and they will be good to go. We're really looking forward to that as well. Well, that's all I have in the way of announcements this morning. If you have come to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, uh, you can go online and uh, go to our website at vlchurch.com backslash give. You can text to give or you can give as you exit the sanctuary this morning. But indeed, thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings today. Can I ask you to stand this morning? And uh, as we do so, let's bow for a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to worship together. Father God, I'm reminded of what the psalmist said when he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Father God, that is what we believe to the core of our being. That is why we are here today in this place, because we know ultimately our help comes from you. We meet you here now to declare that truth in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Let's worship.
2: I have seen your faithfulness never break your promises you are good, always good, my Jesus in the
1: I always think that song is a little bit funny. We heard about last week as Pastor Matt's been laying out the vision that when we go out, when we shine our light, when we follow him anywhere, it does get difficult. It does get hard. Enemies will assail us. We will be attacked, but... He does make it easy to love him. And he does make it easy to trust him because he's never left our side. He's been faithful every time. So we can say, Lord, I will follow you anywhere, even though I know it will get tough at times, even though I know it will get hard because you love me. You show your mercy to me. You show your faithfulness every time so I can follow you. His love is with us always. His mercy with us always. The word says, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. And his mercies, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. For great is thy faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning.
3: Father God, we honor you for the patience that you show with each one of us today. For those of us who are intimately acquainted with our failures and faults, who need forgiveness even in this place today, we thank you for your patience. We thank you that you do not discard us. But you are not in a place of unforgiveness, but in a place of perpetual forgiveness towards us. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to do your work in spite of our sin. We thank you that you call us up and out of sinful lifestyles and attitudes without dwelling on those faults and guilt. You forgive us full and free. We are reminded today of the words of the Apostle Paul who said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we stand in your mercy today and we honor you for the forgiveness that you've lavished on us. Be blessed, Lord Jesus, by our praise. We pray all these things in your matchless name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Disciples, at this time you may be dismissed we'll see you all very shortly. You might have noticed as you walked in this morning that our wall just opposite these doors is beginning to fill up. It's going to get very full this year with all types of emojis because those emojis all represent one of the ministry initiatives that we are embarking upon as a church and we are hoping very much that the Lord is beginning to speak to you if he has not already. Maybe you took home a calling worksheet last week and uh, began to fill that out. If you haven't done that yet, on your way out this morning, if the Lord touches your heart, grab one of those and spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes in devotions this week asking about how the Lord would have you shine your light. But those emojis are when we reach one of our goals and that counter that you see out there with the number 25 on there is something that I will explain to you all next week, something that I believe most of us, if not all of us, can participate in to shine our light and use our collective might as a church to begin to shine the light and love of Jesus Christ in our community. So we'll be laying something big out for you next week. I hope you'll come in anticipation and with an open heart, and maybe today's message will get you prepared to be an emoji really soon. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. We are going to go back one chapter from where we've been. I'll explain that in just a minute. And then we will move forward from there, the rest of our study in Matthew. Many years ago, almost 17 years ago, I got a call in the winter months from the youth pastor at the time of this church. His name was Pastor Tyler. And he said, Hey, Matt, I know that you're about to finish your undergraduate degree in Bible and theology. And I wanted to call you because they are offering to five people a master's degree fully paid for at Ashland Seminary. And and you should apply. It's a bit late, but you should apply. I just wanted to let you know about that. And I thought, well, that would be amazing. And so I applied because I had just spent some time with my advisor who said, You really should go on and get your master's. It's gonna put you in a position one day to be in senior leadership at a church. It's gonna deepen the well for your preaching and your teaching. If you can do it, do it, but just know that it's going to be very expensive. I'd self-funded all the way through my undergraduate school to a great degree, and so I, I, I knew that I couldn't afford a master's. The idea of a free master's, oh my goodness, I had to apply, so I did. And I didn't hear back for a number of weeks, and we were getting into late winter, early spring, and on a Monday, I got a call and it was a representative from Ashland Seminary. They said, Matt, we reviewed your application, and we are in the process right now of interviewing, but we liked your application. We'd like you to come interview for this scholarship. And I said, great, great. When do I need to be there? They said, Thursday. Well, that was a Monday. And I lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, 600 miles away. And let me just tell you, my Pontiac Sunfire didn't sound good when I revved up the engine. So I I thought, boy, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I had responsibility. I was, I was closing in on, on graduating. I, I, I was the manager of the tennis center. I had six employees, but I needed seven or eight. I was understaffed, so I had a management position. I needed to fill roles. I remember thinking i 'm going to miss three days of lectures, which is important this is i 'm in systematic theology, which is which is uh, very scary to uh, to those of us who ever took Bible and theology that 's the big theology class that uh, really, really smacks you around, and so I was in at theology. I didn't want to miss the lectures, and I, and I got off the phone. Of course, I said I'm coming, but I got off the phone. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't have any money. I'm going to have to ask my parents for a loan to get up there. The loan is in quotes because I was not going to pay them back for that gas money, <laughs> nor the trip to Taco Bell that I'd make in northern Cincinnati. I was not going to pay them back for any of that. And I needed to do that, and I remember thinking, and this is something that was strong in my recollection, I remember thinking, I still have 50 pages of research to write before I graduate. I can't miss this time. And I began to talk myself out of coming up for this offer, that, 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 for this interview. Talking myself out of it. Can you imagine? You're sitting here going, how could you talk yourself out of that? It's the greatest offer ever, a free master's degree that you're interviewing for. And you're sitting there in your in your room, in your apartment, going, I just don't think that this is the right timing. I've got too much going on. There's too much going on at the tennis center to go interview for a free scholarship, right? Or not a free scholarship is free, a scholarship for a master's degree. Of course, I called my parents. They said, you've got to come. And I said, I know I've got to come. So I drove up on a Wednesday, drove back on a Friday, had my interview on a Thursday, and I got a master's degree paid for, came back here, started working at Victory Life, met my lovely wife, and the rest is history. Now, you sitting here today would look at that young man sitting in his bedroom of his apartment going, you've got to go. You've got to accept the offer. What? You move heaven and earth to get up here for Thursday morning's interview. But, but once in a while, we get looking down into our lives at the little stuff, the things that keep us busy and occupied and overwhelmed, and we say to ourselves for some crazy reason, I, I can't accept that offer. I can't accept that offer. Well, I'm going to talk about the great offer that Christ makes to each one of us today. An offer which, if we were to look back from heaven on each one of us sitting here today, we would look back and, and say to ourselves, you got to take it. You've got to move heaven and earth to take it. You've got to take this offer because it's the best offer you're ever going to get. And that's why I want to go back into chapter 4 because I don't want us to miss this offer. It's really, really powerful. We're going to be in verse 17 and following, and, and then I'll explain why I've gone backwards only to go forward once more in the book of Matthew. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 4, Matthew's talking about the inauguration of the ministry of Jesus. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying... Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who you all know today as Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. He said, I had to go back here absolutely had to go back our vision for the year is shine your light it's the passage that the lord just impressed upon our hearts in the spring to bring to you in the fall and we prayed about and we looked into and 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 what was so impressive though and the reason we've sat down in the book of matthew and are going to be here all the way getting towards christmas is that we have been told our whole lives if we've grown up in church circles that matthew is the gospel that tries to convince the jewish people that jesus is the messiah Lots of quotes from Isaiah, lots of quotes and allusions to the book of Zechariah, and that's what the book's purpose was. It was to get the Jewish people to believe that Jesus was their Messiah. But what we found so impactful as we read through the book of Matthew was all the powerful visions that Jesus had around the salvation of souls. All of the incredible word pictures that Jesus used to get his followers to go, Jesus is here to save souls. In fact, when the angel announces to Joseph, take Mary as your wife, what does he say? He will save his people from their sins. What we just sang about, his mercy is more. Jesus' mission was all about saving people, and the mission of his disciples was all about saving people. And we think about Matthew as, oh, it refers to Isaiah here, and it refers to Zechariah here. But, But think about this for just a moment. Think about the word pictures that Jesus uses. There's two right here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a picture for us to see. It's a vision. It's not literally, literally a kingdom, but it's a kingdom, something that captures our imagination. Think about what we thought about last week. You are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill, right? Don't hide that light under a bushel. Put it on a stand for all to see. He's giving us a vision of what he sees us doing and partnering with him to do in this world. Think about a little later on. I think we won't hit this till mid-October, but think about the idea that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few and therefore asked the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. See that vision? Maybe not such a pretty vision when we think about it, but think about the vision of the separation of the sheep from the goats. Jesus is telling us that the salvation of souls and the saving of people and the, and the making disciples of Jesus, this is, the, this is what he is spending some of his greatest visionary language on, and he wants us to catch it. That's why we needed to go back just one week to catch this beautiful picture, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's at this point that, that the great work of Jesus collides with the great calling of humanity. Now let's dive down into this verse 17. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible to preach, just this verse to kind of bring some context to it in our, in our modern language here. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is primary teaching. This is the one that Jesus, as he's going from town to town, village to village, person to person, is saying. This is the center of what we call his charisma, his teaching. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here right now. Now, let me ask you something. Put those, put those thinking caps on. We're going we're to have you thinking, why was it at hand in that moment? Why was the kingdom of God being inaugurated right then? It's real simple. Let's not miss it. Jesus was there. Jesus was there. That means the kingdom, God establishing his kingdom, His powerful influence, or may I say God reestablishing his powerful influence, his kingdom was happening right then and right there because Jesus was there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because I'm here. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm here. God's reestablishing his reign on earth through me. Therefore, if we're working backwards, repent. Repent. And if I may be so bold, I don't think this is the repent of feel bad about your sins. I mean, it might be part of it. And there's times in the Bible where repent does mean feel bad and renounce your sins. But I think this is a a far more holistic repentance. This gets back to the very root of the word that's being used. Turn and change your mind. Turn and change your mind. Everything, not just your sins that you have been engaged in, but your values, your ethics, the, the things that you worship, The vocation that you have, everything that you're doing and thinking and prioritizing, I need you to renounce them and turn and focus directly on me because the kingdom of heaven is at hand because I am here. Everything that you think is good, change it. Everything that you think is noble, change it. Everything that you know you have to hide because it's sinful and wrong, change it and I am going to go ahead and change your entire value system, and eventually you're going to be worshiping me. That's the repent that he's talking about here. Change everything. You've been engaged in the kingdom of the world. You now are going to be engaged in the kingdom of God. This is the great big cosmic battle for the souls of man. That's what Jesus is saying. It's the great big understanding. The kingdom of God has come. That is why I'm on earth. This is the great battle for the kingdom of God of God for the souls of man, and then it comes right down to the beach. The great big thing comes right down to the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where there's two fellas fishing. This is interesting, that the great cosmic battle for the souls of men comes down immediately to everyday people, doing everyday things, what was most natural to them. And Jesus calls his first followers. He looks at Simon, who you know as Peter, the most famous apostle, and his brother Andrew, and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In essence saying, I will not build this kingdom without you. Matthew needs us to see this. They're one right after the other. Jesus is out preaching and teaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you fellas sitting here at your nets, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I see it as the kingdom, you'll see it as fishing. Do you see these two visions? Jesus is seeing is I am establishing my father's reign. That's what I'm here to do. I'm establishing it, and I will establish it. I am establishing my Father's reign on earth, but you will see this as fishing for men. He comes right into them and says, this is how you will perceive it, because you're fishermen. And I will not do the work of my kingdom without you. And if I may be so bold, I truly believe with all my heart, based on the history of Scripture, from Noah until now, that it violates the nature of God to do his work without his people. He won't do it. He won't do it. There was one work, the work of the cross and resurrection that we could not do for ourselves. Everything else he wants to partner with us because it reverses the curse where we say we're going to do things our own way. So here we find ourselves at the Sea of Galilee, northern part of Israel, and Jesus sees two fishermen Most likely two fishermen who had heard and believed the message of Jesus. You know, I I sometimes wonder about that, you know, incredible picture of the staring Jesus and Jesus of Nazareth. You ever watch that back in the 70s? Well, I wasn't back in the 70s. I've watched it more recently. I wasn't here in the 70s. But Jesus is staring at people, and they just got to follow him because he's got piercing blue eyes in the ancient Near East, and... He stares at them. Oh, I got to follow that guy because he stares weird. That's probably not what happened here. These guys had heard the preaching of Jesus. They believed the preaching of Jesus on some level. They believed as far as their faith could take them. And then the preacher came by and said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How smart is Jesus to call two fishermen first? How wise and discerning is our Lord to call two fishermen. They were not rich, they were not poor, they were not learned, they were not unintelligent, they were not unique, nor were they inconsequential. He just calls a couple of every men to follow him because he knows by calling fishermen, he calls us all. It might as well be two accountants at their spreadsheets, two housewives knee-deep in laundry, two realtors at a showing, two teachers at the board. Two workmen in the truck by calling fishermen, he calls us all. You say, well, how can you surmise that from the passage, Pastor Matt? I can't. I can't tell you that by telling them to fish for men that you would fish for men also. All I can tell you is a chapter later, he'll look at the crowds and say, shine your light. So we'll just use the immediate context, right, to prove that point. I've already preached it to you. He says to the crowds who are believing in him, it's up to you the way he looks at it. Uh, Andrew and Simon and says, it's up to you. You will fish for men. By calling two fishermen, he calls us all. And it's interesting, not only does he surprise us by calling two fishermen, he doesn't call Augustus Caesar, doesn't call the high priest in Jerusalem, calls two average folks to change the world with him, but what's just as surprising is their response. These two small business owners leave their business and follow him. And if we were going to focus even a little bit further, we'd read two more voices and verses and we'd read that the sons of Zebedee, James and John, leave their father. We see the familial context of what these guys are leaving to follow Jesus in order to fish for men. He didn't call a bunch of 18-year-olds working 12 hours at McDonald's. He called small business owners, at least one of whom we know has a family in Peter, to drop what he's doing To count the cost and to follow him. Now, what does that mean? Now, many of you have probably heard of the idea that in the ancient Israelite culture there was something called a rabbi, a teacher who would gain followers, who would walk a step behind Prince Philip, uh, Queen Elizabeth, right? Walk a step behind, all right, the rabbi and learn from that rabbi, try to embody what that rabbi does. This is the call of the rabbi here. Follow me. Drop what you're doing. Learn from me. Be like me. And do what I do. You see, they will fish for men. Jesus builds the kingdom. It's not the exact same difference because he's Jesus and they're fishermen. But it's the same vision. Join me in the cosmic battle to save man's souls. Join me. Not just learn something, not just be like me in a pious sense, but join me in the great work of humanity. Because to be a follower of Jesus is to fish for men. That's what he's telling us. To be a follower of Jesus is to shine your light, to fish for men, to be a harvester. He saves some of his most beautiful and poignant word pictures to remind us that we are to join him in the cosmic work right from where we're at. Right in Capernaum at the seashore. Right at 3833 Hudson Drive on a rainy day, we are to join him in his work in the world. Now, I know how this feels. Do you know before I stood up here and I used to sit down where you were sitting and my, my daddy would preach and my youth pastor would preach and they would tell me that I needed to be more engaged in evangelism, I was looking for an out. I was. I didn't want to do that that was going to be hard, that was going to be tough, and I was offended that they were telling me that I needed to do more. I'll just kind of shine my light in the way that I'm already shining it, in whatever fashion that I see fit. I don't need to follow you more closely. I certainly don't want to go out and do anything that would cost me anything. That's the problem. I remember on some level what it is. I remember Thinking the fleshly carnal thought. I'm not saying you would ever think this. You would never. It couldn't happen. I remember me thinking, can I be a follower of Jesus but not evangelize? Can I really? And what I was really asking was, can I really be saved and not be interested in the salvation of other humans? I remember thinking these thoughts. I remember thinking, is there a way to be a follower and not fish for men? Is there a way to be the light of the world but really not be shining brightly for all to see? I remember thinking these thoughts. I remember being frustrated by the third or fourth or fifth sermon that I heard on shining my light or intentionally evangelizing. It's like, stop it. Get on to something else like how to pray. Get get on get on to another topic Pastor Lou, I need you to get on to another topic about the best way to read my Bible. Stop, stop preaching about shining my light. I'm tired of this because it offends my carnal sensibilities. It offends my flesh because it will absolutely interrupt my agenda for my life. I don't want that. I'm certain you could never feel that way or think any bits of those thoughts. I'm certain that there is no consistency between what I once thought and maybe what has even been whispered in your ear by the enemy in the last three weeks. I'm sure that could not have happened. But if it is, let me b- remind you what we believe. Remember I said, I said Andrew and Simon most likely believed, but now they're called to be followers. What is it that we believe about Jesus? This is important. This is important. We believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except by him. We believe that he was unique in his ability for his blood to cover the sins of humanity so that we would not incur the wrath of God, so that we could have a way to heaven, and he's the only bridge between us and the Father. We believe that one day he will return with the authority to judge the living and the dead. And we believe that he will separate the sheep from the goats on that day, some to eternal life and others to an eternity without him. Let me ask you, do you believe this? If you believe this, then we must fish for men. If you truly believe it, we have no excuse not to fish for men. We must. That was a double negative, which means proof positive. We have to fish for men. We have to. We have to. We have to. See, this is, this is, this is the issue that we're all facing. We're asking, can I be a believer and not fish for men? And the answer is, Ugh. do you truly believe what you say you believe? if you truly believe what you say you believe, it would be very hard to sit here and be so blessed in your own salvation, but unconcerned with the salvation of others. That's all I'm saying. Now, did the disciples know that that day? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Were they seeing the big cosmic battle? Were they thinking to themselves, well, I believe in Jesus, but, but what does that really mean? Or were they just responding to the offer of nearness to him? That's all they were doing. They were responding to the offer of nearness to him. That was the offer. That was the great offer. Follow me. I give you privileged access to the Son of God. Interested? I give you privileged access to my presence, the very one who created you by my word interested follow me walk closely behind me learn from me yoke up with me oh it's another matthew vision yoke up with me for my burden is easy and my yoke is light here we are join me in this be near to me Learn what learn what, all those things I'm going to teach you in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 from 7. Learn how I'm going to readjust your values and your priorities. Learn that I'm worthy of your worship because I'm going to hang on a cross and die for your sins. Learn that I'm worthy of your hope because I will rise again from the grave. Learn it all. Be near to me. The, the offer was nearness. Somebody ever ask you that question, would you love to go back in history for one moment? What would you go back Would you you stare over Abraham Lincoln's shoulder as he penned the the signature on the Emancipation Proclamation? Would would you sit in an Independence Hall as Ben Franklin was saying, let us hang together or hang separately? Where, Where would you go? What would you do? Heart of hearts to this point in my life, I probably couldn't have said this 15, 20 years ago. I'd be standing on the beach saying, can I come too? Can I come too? not even knowing what fishing for men went, but I want to be near you because you are everything. You see, to be a follower of Jesus is to fish for men, but to be a follower really means that that nearness will result in you fishing for men. I'm going to say that again so we don't miss it. To to, to be a follower of Jesus is to fish for men, but, but that naturally springs from our nearness to the one that we follow. So you say, I'm not actively engaged in evangelism today, Pastor Matt, but I am near to Christ. And if that is the case, and you're saying, I'm not purposefully engaged in in fishing for men, but I am near to Christ, I want to ask you, and and I say this, and please don't think I'm being sarcastic. I'm not, because we do have a love language here, and it is sarcasm, but this is not one of those moments. What religion are you following? If you say that you are near to Christ, yet you have no care for the souls of men and women around you, what religion are you following? I say that humbly because I know that everything in me day to day wants to put my light under a basket and go about my, my day and do the things that are most comfortable for me to do and, and put my agenda on the pedestal to, to pull up my nets in the face of the Lord and say, look at these nets. They keep me busy. Look at these boats. I've invested a lot. So I'm going to stay at these nets and I'm going to stay at this boat. And I love you, Jesus, and I love your word. I love it. Living and active. I love your word. I love you. But I'm staying at the nets. See, when we don't purposefully seek and save, through the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, the lost, I wonder what religion we're following. I think it's the religion of the Pharisees. I really do. The religion of the Pharisees didn't have room for Jesus to break in and make them uncomfortable. He made them uncomfortable, so they said, take a walk. Take a walk, Jesus. And I think if we ever fall into a faith in Jesus in which we are not being made continually uncomfortable, that's not the religion of Christ, because he asks us to sacrifice something. So if you say that you're near to Christ, but you're beginning to be convicted that you need to be more intentional about looking to fish for men, then it's time to sacrifice something to be near to him. That's, that's what we see in the disciples. They sacrifice something in order to be near. And that's, that's where we have to land, folks, where our pride and our agenda and our way of doing life is sacrificed on the altar of the vision that Christ has for us. We can be near to Christ when we sacrifice unto him, when we give it up, when we're willing to get on our knees before him and remind ourselves that he is the Lord of our life, and it is his agenda for which we live. We have to address the nearness problem if we're not fishing for men. And, and I could look at you today and I could say, well, read your Bible more and pray more, but I think there's plenty of us who are reading our Bible and we're praying, but we're not following. Because following would mean fish for men. Okay? Which means that there's a sacrificial problem here. Something needs to be sacrificed on the altar to Christ in order to follow him and fish for men. What is it? Do we need to sacrifice our agenda for this life? Do we need to get on our knees once again before the Lord and say, Lord, how have I been thinking for all this time that I am near to you, but I have had no care for the souls that you care for? No, no active engagement in fishing for men. No, no real Evidence that I'm shining my light. Well, that to me, friends, is something to repent of. That to me is something to say, Lord, if it costs time, if it costs treasure, and what's most painful for most of us, if it costs me my agenda and my plan, I'll follow you and fish for men. That's the pattern. That's what Jesus is asking. All I once held dear, now I count as loss. That's the agenda that Christ has for us. That's what he's asking. There will be a day that you will be in glory with the Lord. Your salvation will be complete your faith will be made sight now i can't tell you that there's going to be any regrets in heaven i don't think there will but in the moment that you see christ before that time comes when a new heaven and a new earth has been made i don't want to look back on my life and say why did you ignore that offer if i if I mean, in light of everything that you see now, how could you ignore that offer to join him in his work, to be near to him, and to have the same love for souls that he did, that you would sacrifice whatever he asked you to sacrifice to go fish for them? See, that, that's, that, that, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there at the end of my time We're at the beginning of eternity wondering why I ignored this great offer to follow and fish. And today, I just wonder for just a few moments is if we could just pray and get real with the Lord together and say, Lord, do I need to repent of my agenda and my pride that has made fish and nets and boats more important than your mission in the world? I'll no longer Think that way. I repent of that. And I want you to move in my life to convince me of something different. I'll follow you anywhere. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, what an incredible offer you've made to us. to represent you in this world to people who are lost and dying and need you so desperately oh Lord would you remind us of the seriousness of the call you didn't come to this earth for fun but to sacrifice your life on a Roman cross to bring us near to God Lord, would you remind us today, as Americans in the upper 95th percentile of wealth, with all our plans and all our priorities, would you remind us today of the serious and powerful task that you called us to? Lord, I pray that we would make no excuses. Use no Christianisms to excuse ourselves from the great work that you are doing and have called us to. But whether we fish, whether we do laundry, whether we balance the books, whether we fill orders, show houses, sit on boards, that we are to follow you and move people one step closer to Jesus right from the place where we're at. We're going to take just a few minutes this morning and I encourage you to remind yourselves that you're not here for the preaching, you're here for what God wants to do through it. And I just ask you to spend some time with the Lord this morning, asking, Lord, am I following? Lord, am I engaged with you? And where can and should I engage with you? Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to lay down and sacrifice that which needs to be sacrificed to follow you. Would you just have a time of prayer with him? And may I be so bold as to say, if... Time spent praying on your knees is something the Lord's calling you to today. You're allowed to do that here. For whatever happens in the next few minutes, we want Christ to be seated upon the throne and his humble servants to be just that. Let's make this place a house of prayer.
2: you so came to my rescue you took my place up. Whatever it costs me Oh, all I want is you Jesus, all I want is you Wherever you lead me Whatever it costs me Oh, all I want is you Jesus, all I want
3: Lord Jesus, thank you that your mercy has drawn us near to you. Thank you that we can apprentice under you now and see what you see as valuable. Understand what you understand as essential. Prioritize what you have prioritized. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the voice of your Holy Spirit that has been speaking to us today would not be met with anything less than surrender. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Will you stand? I suspect the church this morning will be the highlight of your day because I'm almost certain the Browns will not. And so we're glad that you are here today. Stop by at our Welcome Center this morning. And if you're new here, if you're not so new here, you want to see some of those ministry initiatives, stop by, get a pastry, and look at those emojis on the wall. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.